0: Welcome to Chemo Glow, where the glow doesn't define me, I define the glow. This is episode 10, and I am so excited and a little nervous about this episode. I had to do a Facebook live stream to calm my nerves. I don't even know what I'm going to call this episode. I think I might call it the gift, because Jeanette is my gift. You know, there's a quote that says, Sorrow looks back. Worry looks around and faith looks up. When you hear her story, you will hear about the sorrow. You will understand the worry. But you will always see her looking up because her faith kept her grounded. Guys, I'm so excited about episode 10. And maybe I will call it the gift because she is a gift to me and has been a gift to so many others. Enjoy episode 10 the gift. Hi guys, this is Regina and you're listening to Chemo Glow, where the glow doesn't define me, I define the glow. Well, let me tell you about this glow. I would never have had known in a timely manner about um, me having breast cancer if I didn't meet my next guest. So it, it it is an amazing story. You guys, make sure you listen all the way through. I'm excited to have my guest, Miss Jeanette Gregory. How you doing, sweetie? I am
1: doing well. Excited.
0: Yes. <laughs> I've had like no motivation all day, but... At like 6.30, I was like, I'm interviewing Jeanette. And I've been nervous. Wow. Nervous. (laughs) I had to get on Facebook and say, guys, y'all just don't know. If you haven't listened to episode one, you have been a part of this thing from the very beginning when I didn't even know. I I had no idea, but I know now why we met when we met. Right. So um, before we, we, we get into exactly how you started um, this, you know, dealing with the glow, being affected by the glow, I should say. Let me tell my audience how I met you. Okay. You were at the experience, the Java Bean experience with Dina and Eric Bryce. I can't, it was not the month of October. Know that because I was diagnosed in um, February. You had came in to talk to the women to get mammograms. You were telling uh, uh, your story, um, putting the information out there. You had a table out there. And I remember you saying, ain't nobody listening. Y'all ain't listening to me. And I told myself right then and there that I was going to go get a mammogram. And I made sure before you left, I said, hey, I'm going to get a mammogram and I'm going to call you. Little did I know that... Your, your talk that night saved my life. I was only 36. At that time, they were telling women to get mammograms at, what, 40? And right. And I remember having to give you a call. And I told Dina, I said, I, I, I said Dina, I don't, I don't need to talk to any church folks right now because I don't know what I'm feeling like. Um, I need to talk to somebody who's real. And she said, Jeanette, you already said you were going to give her a call. Jeanette. And man i I can't be crying at the very beginning of the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> but Jeanette um, you were my person, you were my person. I had no idea, so um, now that I've told my audience a little bit how we met, back up a little bit and go to when we met so how did you how did you come familiar with the goal like how did it affect your life starting out?
1: How did um that what did you say brother?
0: like um how were you how were you introduced to cancer like
1: when... well i was i was really introduced to cancer abruptly mhm because you know my father had died from cancer years prior many years prior and my brother um found out we found out he was dying within like two days.
0: Wow.
1: Yes. And um, he fought for his life and uh, he had liver cancer. Okay. He had it just betestesized everywhere in his liver. And so while he was uh, transitioning, my older sister, who had gone through cancer a couple of years before, um, she thought she had pneumonia. Mm-hmm. So she had gone to the doctor to get her results for her cough. She goes to the doctor and find out that she got six months to live because the cancer has metastasized throughout her body, her lungs, her brain, her spine, just different areas of her body. Hmm. So I'm still at the hospital, you know, we're just praying, believing that my brother's going to live. My sister comes in and whispers to me and tells me that news. Yeah. So once she said once um, the funeral for my brother is over. She wanted to bring all the family to my home so she could tell the family that she only had six months to live. So she did that. So I had determined in my heart, I'm going to breathe for her, be her arms, legs, whatever she needs me to be. But I had gone to get a mammogram. And um, during the time that they had already, they were getting ready to send her to Chapel Hill. Uh for more extensive, you know, study and and to start a chemo and everything, I found out I had cancer. And so during her fight at the end, Uh I was going through tests, you know, the mammogram and, you know, all that other stuff they have you doing for days on end before. So on the day that I went in to have a double mastectomy, was the day, no, the day that I went came home, was the day that they released her to come home to hospice. Nothing else they could do for her. Oh my goodness. Well so that's why I say abruptly, because I remember when my husband and my daughter brought me home, got me in bed, and my husband went to buy a TV and I told him I, I don't want a TV in our room. Yeah. I just didn't know what was I was getting into. Yeah. I just thought I was going to be quiet in my room, praying and meditating. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how many days I was going to be in that room. Oh, my goodness. So the doorbell rings, and it's my brother-in-law bringing my sister from the hospital to stop by my home to see me. She and she home did, for, hospice care, for hospice care. Right. She hadn't even gotten home yet. She wanted to see me first. Okay. So that's how my journey started. It started with her fighting for her life and and me having to fight for mine. Yes. And so you had
0: your father, your brother, your sister, and now you're being diagnosed with cancer. Right. Now, did you, while you were going through treatment, um, how long did your sister, how long was your sister in hospice
1: care? Um, I came home in October. She came home in October and she died in November. Oh. So it was probably four weeks. Four weeks. It was long enough for me to recuperate, mm-hmm. but my drains out and my doctor told me he had never seen anybody heal that fast. Yeah. And, and the, I almost put my surgery off because in my mind, I didn't want to be in surgery and then she died. Yeah. And I didn't get those last words or whatever. Yeah. So it, God worked it out perfect. Yes. And to somebody else. What does she mean? Perfect. You know, yeah. She worked it out. I came home. I got to heal. And during my healing, I was taken over to her home almost every day. And there was a bed beside her bed. Uh-huh. And I would. she would lay there and give me all the things like she would say, don't eat with the metal spoon or fork, utensils. When you're going through chemo, yeah. Because you know it puts that metal taste in your mouth.
0: That metallic taste. Oh my goodness. People
1: just yes. understand. Yes. She gave me all kind of advice.
0: Yeah.
1: And she asked me a question. She said, Do you think your husband is strong enough to stand with you? She said it doesn't matter who it is, no matter if it's your husband, your sister, your brother, whatever. Mm-hmm. She said, You gotta make sure you, you have someone strong enough. Just stand with you and walk through the whole thing, mm-hmm. and he did. Yes, yes, he
0: did.
1: Husband, he yes, is
0: amazing. He is amazing, and I'm glad you said. You know, you talk about that because during this, I've met a lot of women whose husbands or significant others said, "I'm out." Right, and the first thing that someone asked because when I was diagnosed, I was engaged. Someone was like, oh, and he stayed with you? And I was my like, goodness. yes. But now I realize why they said that. He stayed with you. And my thing was, my thought was that I married a man or I was marrying a man that I knew that would be there. But um,
2: right.
0: it's hard. It's very, very hard on the caregiver. So after your, after your surgeries, after your, you know, Having to bury your sister, and what else did you have done during that time? Did you go through any other treatment? Well,
1: I went through the chemo, um, I didn't do any radiation, okay. Um, I did um, like one year of her sex, mm-hmm. um, that drug, and that was it, that was pretty much it because I, I chose, I opted out of getting, um, I just decided I was just gonna go flat-chested. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't want no more surgeries. And I remember yeah. my husband saying, uh, do you really have to do it? Don't do it for me. Yeah. And so I was thinking, I wasn't going to do it for nobody. I didn't feel like going <laughs> through it. I was 54 years old. I didn't need to nurse no babies or nothing like that. Uh-huh. So I just chose not to, to um, have a reconstruction. Uh-huh.
0: I... I I understand that. My husband was like, I, I'm good. I'm a leg." That's all he kept saying. Right. At times, since we're, we were still a young couple, I was like, well, we're, we're planning to have kids. We're planning to do these things. And it took me almost three years to even do reconstruction. And um, then I ended up removing the right as well. And even then, I questioned it um, at that time. Right. Um now I'm, I'm i'm glad that i did because of my girls but that that is about it you know yeah. i was thinking about my girls and the questions that they would ask and but it's truly a, a choice for the patient hey cuz having all those surgeries and the side effects just from um anesthesia when you when you are getting put under that takes right you. so going through all that what what how did you come out yeah. How did you come out stronger? Or what were you determined to do after um, coming out of out of all of that? Because I know you had when you came to speak to the audience, you were talking about um, your actual um, I want to say 08, right? Yeah. When I met Jeanette, she was actually talking about an organization that helps women get mammograms, find um, a place to get mammograms. Jeanette uh, does it all. She didn't just help me, she helped my friends that were in Sharp as well. Um, I was able to call her for any support, and I still have the bears that you gave me during treatment. My no. And oh yeah. I was a tough cookie. You you can tell them the truth about me when <laughs> Oh
1: yeah. You know what? <laughs> I think you are you are the toughest cookie. <laughs> toughest but the sweetest. I was so mad. I was and angry. So Let's, okay. Angry. Let's back up. Yeah, yes, please. Angry. hmm Tough. hmm But I chose to find that sweetness in you because you did. I remember that I remember the first day you talked to me mm-hmm. <clears throat> stuff I can't repeat. <laughs> but you said, I don't want no scriptures. hmm I don't want to hear no sermons. hmm And I told you, I don't have any scriptures. Uh-huh. And I don't have any sermons.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then you began to tell me about you were engaged and people were saying, well, Are you still gonna get married and all this stuff? Yeah. And I said it's your choice. I say everything is your choice. Mm -hmm. To dress, to get married. Everything is a choice.
2: Yeah.
1: It's not to be run past everybody. Yeah. Like, what do you think? What do you think about this? What -hmm. do you think about? That's one thing I learned from my journey. Mm -hmm. I don't run too many things past past people. Yeah. Really, I don't. Even when I write books. I don't say, how do you like this? Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-uh. They get it when they get it, whether they like it or not. Somebody gonna like it.
0: Somebody. I have a couple of your books, and I love them. And you got me. The fact that, you know, if people don't know, my mother died of lung cancer. And during that time, I seen the ugliest thing come out of what I consider church folk. She was on her deathbed, and they were knocking on the door asking for her tithes. I mean, literally, hospice, where it was, I had to call my brothers and sisters and said, if you don't come get these people, my mother is dying. She's on her deathbed. She doesn't even know her name. And they're knocking on the door. Well, Sister Annie, you mm. know, we still need your tithes, sis. And they were trying to tell me about the, the love note. Mm. God wrote and Jesus this. And I said, if y'all don't get out of this house, I am the last one. And so that was my impression of the, the, the church family coming to help. They were really just stripping us away. And I, it left a bad taste in my mouth. And that's why I call it the glow. Like um, When I say I define the glow, I always looked at how my mother, um, how she died. During her dying process, because not only did my mother die, my brother died, and then my father died, and now my mom. And we had to deal with death and dying, but it was a Mm -hmm. slow process. Someone would get sick, and then they would die slow, and you had to Mm watch. And then my dad got sick, and he died slow, and we watched. And my mom, after she buried her son, and then she had to bury her husband, and then she was getting her life together, and everything was good the diagnosis, she thought she had bronchitis. I and mean, mm. she had lung cancer. And I didn't realize the different type of people who come out the work, woodworks. Right. It's different when it's your mama. And it really did something to me. And that's why I was like, Mm-mm, I don't want to hear it. But you got it. You, right. you were right there. I remember sitting outside of my workplace where I was working at for 45 minutes, I talked to you. And I heard everything you said. I heard everything you said to me and how you said it, and I told Dina I was like, I need somebody who would just who gets it, because I didn't know anybody um, going through breast cancer and it was new to me. You know, I've dealt with cancer, but not breast cancer. So, yeah, I was a tough yeah. one. I, yeah. God got the right one. <laughs> God but knew yeah. what
2: he
1: was doing. Yeah, you're tough one, but you you are sweet. Cookie. I love me. I love me some Regina. Oh my! But it's goodness. one thing about me. I don't like things sugarcoated. Exactly. I don't like a lot of words. Mm-hmm. You know, you can ask a person a question, and you got to hear fifty words before you hear the word that you need to hear. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a time for scripture. Mm-hmm. There's a time for prayer. Yeah. There's a time for so many things. Yeah. But when people are diagnosed. <laughs> the best thing that you can do is listen. You can't just start giving out all this advice. Mm-hmm. Number one, you've never had cancer. Yeah. Number two, I don't want to hear that chemo killed your mother. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, chemo doesn't kill everybody. I don't know. Yeah. Some people say they killed their mom and stuff, but it didn't kill anybody. It didn't kill me. <laughs> yeah. If yeah. Some days it felt like I was dying. Oh, yes. But it didn't kill me. Mm -hmm. So, my journey and my sister's journey, because I walked close with her during her journey, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: it taught me how to celebrate people. Yeah. It taught me how not to ignore people. Mm -hmm. Because the first thing people do when they hear that you got the word, C word, cancer, Mm -hmm. they run, they scatter. They make excuses like, Mm -hmm. I would have people call me and say, (laughs) I was coming back to see you today, but I have a cold and I know you're taking chemo. I don't know why when people get cancer, everybody else get a cold.
0: (laughs) Or have you ever experienced when you were diagnosed that all of a sudden everybody else was sick around you? Mm Mm-hmm.
1: They were sick. They couldn't come or... They were tired, or yeah. or but one thing I can tell you, I had a good, strong foundation team. You know, my daughters at that time, my daughter's were twins and they were nurses, yeah. they were both yeah. nursing, and I called them my nurses. They took very good care of me, yeah, and my husband, uh huh, yes. And I have, um, and I can't, you know. I don't like to start calling names of who did what because sometimes people tend to forget that they did. Yeah. But even my church, Mm -hmm. the church that I was attending at the time that I was, they played a significant role in my healing. Mm -hmm. They would come together and pray, Mm -hmm. and they would use one woman. Her name was Linda Catcard. God rest her soul. You know she she left me one of my great great friends. And what they would do, she would go to the elders, because she was one of them, and she would tell them what the doctor said. Mm -hmm. And then they would get together and pray about what the doctor said. Uh huh. Now, I like that, because I didn't have to talk to nobody but her.
0: That's a beautiful thing. And that's how I felt with you. I could talk to you, and Mm I knew that I was taken care of. Um, I had people who already picked out their black dress and told me they did so. Mm. Told me they, they picked out their back black dress. I had people who were, it was just interesting. Now, I had a great foundation. Like my husband uh, and who I considered my, my spiritual family was the experience. Like all,
2: right.
0: like all at the right time, I had the people at the right time being there when I needed them my family when I needed them but I was moving to a new city and I right. to be able to call someone and say this is ridiculous or whatever like some of the stuff you said you can't repeat because I was so right. <laughs> <laughs> but I needed to be able to say that freely and you really right. you didn't know
1: me from a can of paint you know but you know what I knew about you uh-huh you were a fighter. Oh. You had a lot of spunk. Mm-hmm. And I say, she's going to win. And you mm-hmm. did. I did. I saw all the challenges. And then when I peeped your cards and saw that husband of yours. O M J Loves his Regina. Takes very good care. He is the priest of your home. He's a covering. Yes. I knew you would be okay. Mm-hmm. And you always tell me about you wanted a baby and blah, 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 blah. And it came to pass. I I said, she did. I said, God got her. Oh, my goodness. You probably can hear them in the background because I just sent
0: them a text and said, "Woo, y'all still (laughs) laugh? Let them laugh. (laughs) They are down there having a ball with their- Miracle babies. Let them laugh. Oh, my goodness. And you, you would talk to me about that. You know, you- I could see that everything was possible you know when I came back and I I still have a picture of us and I had this glow I didn't take many pictures when I was going through but I could call you and I could see you and we would meet up at the restaurant can't even remember what that restaurant was um, um with the chicken oh my goodness what was that Thing we used, to, I used to come down and eat all the time. Right. It was so good. <laughs> it was so good. Was <laughs> here. Um right. but we used to just I could just talk to you and I could tell you exactly what was going on. And through your organization, I was able to actually connect other people with you. So tell us a little bit about your
1: organization. Celebrate Life 08. And um many people ask me why did we name it celebrate life 08 because it was in 2008 that i lost my brother my sister i was diagnosed in
2: 2008
1: mm. and um and i and one thing i did not say is my brother who was who died his granddaughter was in one hospital fighting for her life mm. And I think it was like brain cancer. She had a tumor on the brain. And at that time, she was only, wow, she was young. She might have been 13 or something like that. He was in another hospital dying. Mm -hmm. Um, Didn't make it. But 2008 was the year that I learned to celebrate because when we found out my sister was uh, had six months to live, I didn't know anything about her. I had cancer. Mm-hmm. I put together a celebrate life for her, uh-huh. not knowing that one day this would be my ministry,
0: mm-hmm.
1: not even knowing that at the moment I was planning that, I had cancer. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it. Yeah. And so we celebrated her and I brought all these women together that knew her and we gave her her flowers while she was still alive. Yeah. And we called it Celebrate Life.
0: Celebrate Life.
1: So as I, um, I remember the day that I came home from the diagnosis because the first time I went in, I had found the a lump in the left breast.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so they started the whole process of going in and um, they did the um, biopsy. You, they did the biopsy mm-hmm. and everything. And then I had to see the surgeon and had to make the decision what we were going to do. But my decision was pretty much made for me because of my genetic report, yeah. the Broca one, Broca two. Mm-hmm. So um, the night before I went to the surgeon, I was just laying in the bed and I just started touching on the other breast. And I was just kind of praying over myself. I say, what is that? I found a lump in my right breast. Oh my God. I didn't wake my husband up, I didn't even tell him. I didn't even know how to say it. Yeah. So when I went to the surgeon, as soon as I laid on the table and he reached over to touch the other breast, he said, do you realize there was a lump in your breast? And I said, yes. Mm-hmm. I found it last night. He said, does your family know? I said, no. He told the nurse, call her family back in, which would be my husband and my daughters. Uh huh. They had to start the process all over again on the right side. Long story short, they removed both breasts. Um, I had a double mastectomy. Uh But um, that's how it was named Celebrate Life. Because I learned how to celebrate life. I learned how... I love celebrating people. Mm -hmm. Like in the group, and you're in the group with the Thrivers. Yes. Yes. We celebrate something about a woman every day. You do. It's either her birthday or she got a seven-year anniversary or something. I don't like... I don't like having to post those rest in peace uh, posts. Yeah, I don't like to have to put the picture up. Yeah, but you got to look at both sides of this thing. Some live, some don't.
2: Yeah,
1: and as survivors or thrivers, we have to come to a, come to grips with that. You know, I've had women say, "Well, I can't stay in this group because too many people dying." I mean, they dine outside the group too. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I love about you. <laughs> In well, the group or out the group? <laughs> look, look, I just can't let them pass and I don't say nothing.
0: Nothing. Like, I love that you do that. I love that you celebrate us. You give our flowers while we're here. Yes. And we know that we can call you. And that has to have a pull on you because at one moment I know I called you and I was just like, I just want to thank you because it's yeah. like somebody every week, something had happened. Right. And I, I, I knew some of the ones that you were really close with right? because you take, you take ownership of it and that has to take something from you. So how do you take care of yourself while you're still celebrating life? Well, to be
1: honest, at first I really wasn't. I thought I was, but it was affecting me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and then I said, well, I just won't get close to them. Mm-hmm. I remember when uh, one of the ladies, um, her name was Pam, it broke me. Yeah. I mean, I cried at the funeral worse than her children did. Mm-hmm. And I knew I could not continue to do that. Yeah. So um I just had to find a way to separate. Mm -hmm. But guess what? I don't know how to do that. You don't. It's not in you. Because we lost uh, one of our um, Thriver sisters, uh, Amy uh, St. Victor. Yeah. She was funeralized two weeks ago. And matter of fact, it was just last week. I spoke at her funeral and I took the pink car over at the request of her sister. Yeah. But her sister wanted me to give an awareness Talk at a funeral. That was my first one. Wow! But it's one thing. I, you know, Larry Gandy is a friend of yes. both of us. Yeah. Huh. I never forget once um, Larry Gandy told me he heard me speak one time and he thought I changed my story. Uh huh. He said, "Don't ever change your story." Yeah. Don't ever change your message.
2: Yeah.
1: He said, when's the last time you heard, what is his name? West Brown, the motivational speaker. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, when is the last time you heard him change his story? His story is always the same. That's your story. Your awareness. That's what got me. Right. You were so real. There was no sugarcoating it
0: for the audience. Can't The audience looked like they weren't paying attention. You said, y'all, not, y'all don't hear me. And right. that's my attention you yes. hear me and I was like she's talking to me. There was a bunch of people in there, but you
1: taught me a lesson because you paid attention.
0: Uh-huh.
1: You contacted me the next week mm-hmm. because you did pay attention. And um I'm a part of a a a group of women called Swam, Sisters with a Message. We uh-huh. go to the mountains every year and I I'm the speaker for awareness every year. I'm on the board there. Uh-huh. And every year that I have spoken, when I walk away, uh-huh. there's a call that when a lady went home, she checked her breasts and found a lump. And that's uh-huh. the truth. And that's. Now, I think last year, I don't think we had anybody diagnosed last year.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I'm serious. Women listen. So I don't change my story. Yeah. I don't change my unorthodox way of saying it. <laughs> Thank you. I, I spoke one morning and a lady said, um, you are making fun of uh, breast cancer. And so she, she had someone to uh, uh, find my number and everything. And we talked. Mm-hmm. And I said, ma'am, what you didn't get out of what I was saying, that was my story. Yeah. If I can't laugh at my story, I can't tell it. Yes. I can't stand up and cry every time I tell my story. Mm-mm. You see what I'm saying? Yes. My story has to change somebody's life. I refuse to keep traveling and going in here and coming out and going in and coming mm-hmm. in. Some days I can't sleep just to be standing up there looking cute. <laughs> so,
0: you know, the first time I've ever told my story, mm-hmm. it was at your event. Right, you asked me, I was like, I don't have no story to tell. You're like, Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And every since then, I haven't stopped talking. That's why I got chemo. I know that's why I have chemo glow right now.
1: I love chemo glow. Most of the time, I don't get to hear it. Yeah, I have to go back and look, you know, and sometimes I do go in and you go, hey,
2: oh, Janelle, hey,
1: Janelle. <laughs> right. But, um. You did such a great job that night. You touched so many people oh, thank telling you. that story. Because you know what? I listened. To, since Larry Gandy told me, you know what? You tell your real story. Yeah. He said, when you spoke on yesterday, that was not your story. Mm-hmm. Now, the story changes. The story doesn't change. Sometimes I add more because I forgot this part. So when mm-hmm. I come over here, I tell it. And sometimes I can stand and look at my audience and I can discern what I need to say. Mm -hmm. I can look at a woman's face even. Sometimes I don't talk about breast cancer awareness. Yeah. Sometimes I talk about being a woman. Yeah. I talk about the total woman because, you know what, breast cancer can come in because of unforgiveness, all kinds of things, worrying. Mm-hmm. So I believe if we handle things up front. Sometimes we wouldn't have to deal with these tumors. Yeah. And you don't just
0: talk about like breast cancer. You've talked about ovarian cancer. You've talked about your organization celebrate life is celebrating life. And that's what I love about what you do. I had a friend and I now stay in a different city. So when she called me, I was like, Jeanette Gregory, that's who you need to call and showed <laughs> up. And you showed up and you showed up with a gift basket. You showed up with your presence. And I remember Sakara saying, she really here. I said, oh, she's not playing. When I tell you I have somebody for you, right? Gregory. And she got so much. Her and her husband got so much out of that. My husband, seeing how your husband has been with you, that was a blessing. Cause he was at that first one that I did. So he, yeah, yeah to see that, that was right. because I think sometimes they get left behind or they, or they feel as if, cause I always used to say, it's nothing like having to take care of somebody who's, who's going through something. And my husband never been through that. Right. And so I was like, but when I told tell you he he did his thing
1: and continues to do his thing, he does. I know because <laughs> and I remember I remember when I, I pulled a team of men together, including my husband, to write the book "Love Me So I Can Live." Oh. that was hard for your husband because he was. loved you so much. He just it, he wasn't ready. Yeah, to open up old wounds and mm-hmm. and start writing and talking, but um. It even brought a lot out of my husband that I didn't even know.
0: After that, we started having those conversations. And I had no idea how hard, you know, I was like, did you call Jeanette back? Did you do this? And finally, I started to pay attention to his facial expression. And he was taking care of me and was not taking care of himself because I came first. And he made that very clear.
1: Right.
0: It takes a toll on you. So I was really, really excited that he still was a part of that process. But right. him to open up. And now he's doing so much better with sharing his story. And I appreciate mm-hmm. it. And he's been doing so much with um, different organizations and talking about um, talking about just being a caregiver. That's good. Yeah. So, what are you, what are you doing this year? Because it's different. COVID, COVID, and cancer.
1: Well, you know what? COVID and cancer has me busy. Because what people don't understand, mm-hmm. I'm passionate about what I do. <laughs> now, I, I'm watching people taking time off from breast cancer awareness. Uh huh. Just because we can't have chocolate rose balls and all these balls. You know, it's other things we can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know I have a little pink uh, uh, mammobile. Yes, that I, that I <laughs> drive around <Yeah>. showing. <laughs> and um, um, I have different organizations last year that donated different gifts and everything. And what they do, they would fill up my mammobile, the back yeah. of, full of gifts. Like the Tavola uh, uh, Senior Citizens, uh-huh. they, made, they knit hats. Yeah. So keep me busy. I, got a, uh, I had a whole back seat full of hats that I had to give away. Oh, wow. So many things. And I send out the cards. I have a line of cards, Inspiration by uh-huh. Jeanette. Matter of fact, I have three books that I'm going to give away on your podcast. Okay. One is Inspirations by Jeanette. Oh, I love it. And comforting words for a weary heart. Because you know what? Sometimes when, and these are small books that can go yeah. in a pocket. Sometimes when we lose loved ones, yeah. people don't know what to say. They don't. They come out of their mouth with some of the craziest things. Mm-hmm. I even have one uh, 100 ways, with no, 100 things you do not say to people with cancer. I wrote that book. I got that book. One, And I have people say, no way people said this. I said, honey, half the stuff in that book, they said it to me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they said to nobody else. But, I I said, have but the, the thing I, I don't like is when somebody would meet me and say, oh, poor thing, my mother died from that. Mm-hmm. I would be boiling. Telling me what your mama, died from okay, we're gonna leave that alone. And the love me so I can live. This book is oh. good for men. Yes, and you know, Mister Michael Virgil, he he helped write in this book, and he's still kind of uh, um, speaking of. I think he's somewhere this week with this book. Okay, and I met, and I, one of my um, good friends, Charles Allen, his wife was diagnosed, and he immediately he he reminded me so much of your. Husband, uh-huh. he loves his wife. Yeah. He just needed to know what he needed to do. Yeah, I gave him this book, and on the day I showed up for her first chemo, I surprised her. Uh huh. When I looked in the corner, he was reading this book. He didn't know I was coming, so let me look at the book, make her think I'm reading it. Yeah, he was all in the book, and he lives by the book. So I'm going to give this out. Well, you give it out. Everybody know. It may be more than... I have someone
0: right now who October is a trigger month for her. Three, three times she's gone. She's going through reconstruction right now. And today I read her posts and normally she's very, very quiet. And I I met her through someone because they were like, I think you will be helpful. And I have the perfect person who needs that because three times, like everybody thinks, okay, you're diagnosed with cancer, then right? That's it. It's over with. You know, your hair grow back. You get well. My eyebrows didn't come back, but you know, mine didn't either. They look a mess tonight. But
1: <laughs> my, my, my eyebrows didn't come back. Chemo brain wouldn't leave me. Man, That's the other <laughs> thing. People yeah. don't realize that. Okay, they say, oh, she's through with chemo. And they may hear you say you're struggling with something or yeah. and they be like I thought you were done with cancer. Yeah. You can be done with cancer. Cancer's you can done. be healed from cancer. Yeah. But that chemo can leave a side effect on you for so many different things. And oh. talking about COVID and uh-huh. cancer, that's another thing like I mail these books out. I made uh-huh. my book smaller now. So I can okay. stick it in an envelope and mail them cheaper. Mm-hmm. I do the T-shirts, all kinds of things, and I I may sell it to the public. Yeah, I don't sell anything to a thriver. Yeah, I'm trying to get things to people. You know, sometimes they think I'm trying to sell. No, okay. I'm trying to give you this. Yes. So it's a ministry in itself. I talk to people on the phone. You would think that. Maybe she only talks to one person every three months. Mm-mm. Sometimes I get three calls in one day, Regina. Oh, I know, because I'm one of those calls. And I give them all their time. Yes. But now that I have my little grandson here, yeah. I have to be on the little schedule, like when he's asleep. Yeah, yeah. That's what I do. Um, this is not just for October. It's not. that
0: I just said that. Pink is not just for October and it ain't all about pink. I get it. Right, right. And I know the power of pink and I know how you can pimp pink for the cure. Let me tell right.
1: you. Right. And that's the truth.
0: Yeah. <laughs> pimp and pink for the cure is a real business right here. Right. It saves lives. I've I've I volunteer. I've donated before, during, and after this
1: process.
0: Cause I yeah. do it. Because COVID right now, I seen today that they were like, the breast cancer rates are down, but it ain't down because people are not being diagnosed. People are not being seen. They're scared.
2: So,
0: you know, cancer didn't disappear by 50% because of COVID. It just didn't happen. So we have to continue to put the message out there, not just for the month of October. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and see, mine is um, like you hear people talking about October. I'm not an October girl. Mm-hmm. I'm January through the whole year. It's a 12 month thing for me.
0: Exactly. That's why I did not meet you in October because I was no, you didn't. February 27th, which means I actually seen you before, you know, in the month of February or the last part of January. But right. It took a minute for me to get my results back. And that's what's crazy. It wasn't in October.
1: Right. Because
0: it's twelve months a year. Can't yeah. Care what what month you in, don't care what colors you wear.
1: Now that's the truth. <laughs> it will <laughs> tap you, but it's gonna tap you. <laughs> and you know they call me the pink lady. Uh huh. Oh I know with the weird gloves. But do you know my favorite color is not pink? It's symbolic of something. It's symbolic of the fight and the strength. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. nothing about me looking cute in it, because I look cute and purple. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You see, chemo Glow is purple, teals, all... Right. <laughs> right. And so um, there are many people that are drawn to me because I wear my hair short. Mm-hmm. They think, oh, it won't grow bad. It'll grow back. I stay at the barbershop. Mm-hmm. When I speak to women and and I got women in the audience with wigs on, they ready to take them off. Because I tell them how I sat on the front row of the church, took my wig off and put it in my Louis Vuitton bucket bag. <laughs> <laughs> it was hot.
0: My wig has had a front seat right beside me. I was in a training and I was Hot and I was sweating, and finally, somebody said, Miss Jones, you can take it off. Right. I'm in, it was about about 20 folks, and they was like, You can take it off. And I took that sucker right on off. That's just like that fake boob, that prosthetic I had. I was doing the training, and it did right. up to my neck. And <laughs> <somebody told me. laughs> Until I went to the bathroom, I said, All of y'all wrong. Y'all know this boob sitting right here on my neck, and it don't match my skin color, it don't even match your skin. Yet. Right. So y'all know something was wrong, but...
1: when it turns sideways because it's too big, you know, they ain't measure you right. They ain't
0: measure you right. The pocket doesn't fit. Right. You don't get all those things that go on during the process. So after a while, yeah. like, I'm not wearing this. I'm not putting this on. No. I'm
1: not drawing this. on. It just, but you know, Regina, another thing I teach women, or I try to set an example... Yeah. I won't tell them nothing that I haven't tried. Yeah. Next time, I'll try it first. Yeah. Because I hear, um, I, I, one time a lady told me, she said, you need to hold your shoulders back because you're carrying shame and the way you hold your, you know what, I said, somebody need to come get her <laughs> because I don't know who she said told her that about me, but that ain't true. <laughs> I had just had my breast removed. I didn't have no prosthetic, nothing on, and you uh-huh. got to learn how to hold yourself again without yes. the breast. Yes, there's never been any shame in my game. But one thing I did learn when I was training for a triathlon,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, the suit that I had to wear in the swimming pool. I didn't know how to swim, no way. They taught me how to swim at the age of sixty-three. Oh wow! That's when I did my first one. That's right. I struggled the first day getting in the water because I didn't want to wear the prosthetics that you swim in. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go bare chested with my trisuit on. You know, you zip it up, it's skin tight and all that uh-huh. kind of stuff. I said, you know what, Jeanette, go ahead and step out in the water and let everybody see it for one time and they all yeah. did. Yeah. But then I learned because I did not have breasts and I had broad shoulders. It made me a good swimmer. See? And I felt very well on my back. So I talked to other women about doing a triathlon, and I encouraged at least three women mm-hmm. to do the same. When cancer comes and the boobs go, it doesn't mean your life stops. Yeah. I have done more in 12 years than I have done in a I'm 66 now. Woo hoo 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 hoo! Yes, I'm 66. Amen. I was diagnosed at 54, and I'm, i made it to 66. Mm. So it's not I've been parasailing. I would have done none of this Mm-mm. before cancer.
0: Yeah.
1: So what I do, I encourage women to get up and live. Live. Celebrate life. Celebrate life and put shame on the side.
0: Oh my goodness!
1: Get rid of the shame. Okay, yeah. you don't have no breasts. That ain't what I really we on the podcast, so we we gonna call them breasts. Yeah. Okay, so you don't have no breasts. Okay. Uh huh. They gonna know it one way or the other. You know. So go and let them get their first look. Yes. After that, nobody even looked my way. Don't nobody even care after that. You know
0: what? I I got I I got so used to being naked in front of so many people at one time. No, phase me, and then when you meet somebody, you you lift your shirt
1: up like. Oh my you- god! <laughs> you, know, you know, Regina, I took a stress test uh, about three weeks ago. Uh huh. And so it was a young uh, African American man. I was like, "Man, he gonna be the one." Uh huh. So he told me to. I had to put on a little gown. I say, "Is he gonna be, you know, uh-huh. um, shocked?" Uh-huh. So when he opened it up and I was like, you don't have women that can do this? Uh-huh. He had to put me together. All the way. I see this all the time. We get plenty of breath. In other words, you ain't <laughs> the one came in here without him. <laughs> so there was no shame for me. Mm. sometimes when a person see it it's a shock mm-hmm. for them I yeah. don't like to shock people when they see that for the first time
0: that's the globe. that's what, when my mom I used to hate that she had to be to be all the way together when she was sick when the chemo was just taking her through and I was like who has the energy for that Right. Look that they used to give to her as they were asking her for her tides. Get out. Right. You want me to kick them out? Because I'm going to kick them out. Whether you say yes or no, I'm going to kick them out. (laughs) Look that they give you. Right. Like, wow. And I just went, I had a scare um, a couple of weeks ago. Had to do a biopsy, whole thing. And this is my first time my husband hasn't been by my side. Hadn't been by my side because of COVID. First thing, mm-hmm. call them back to see if I can come. I said, they said you can't come. Call them anyway. Okay, <laughs> let me call them. But when I got in there and the doctor was like, oh, they did a good job. And I'm like, you just going to talk about them like that? Because guess what? That's what they do. Yeah. So, I, I wasn't feeling shameful, but I was just like, it's a it's a shame it's the norm that they see so many women with right. the doubt, with the scars, with everything going on, but There's no shame in my game. Like, I will lift them up and show you. One lady told me that I got cancer because I got a mammogram. Wow. And I just said, hmm. She can never be in another one of my trainings again. (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) But it's those things that you hear that people say stuff to you. And I'm like, wow. Yes. Someone says that their mother died of breast cancer. And I was like, so When, when, when have you had, you know, when was your last mammogram? She said, I'm not doing that. I'd rather not know. Okay. What do you say to that? You know, it's just the things that people think about cancer. It's so, it's so revealing and so crazy to me at the same time. Right. They don't think that they can, that it will affect them. So I just keep moving on. And pushing forward and hope that I reach people like you've reached me. And you've reached several women with Celebrate 08 because you don't sugarcoat it. You tell it like it is. And we appreciate that you do that.
1: Oh. I don't like people sugarcoating things with me. So I give what I need. Mm -hmm. And I don't need nobody sugarcoating anything. Even doctors. When they talk to me, Give it to me. Don't beat around the birds. Yeah. When you say the right words, don't, don't, you know, the the right terminology. Yeah.
0: Don't, don't sugarcoat it. Don't dumb it down. Give it to me. Like I can take it. I remember us sitting in the restaurant and we were talking about medication and I couldn't take Tamoxifen because of the blood clots that I suffered with. So Mm -hmm. you told me exactly what you did and why you did it. And I was like, I respect that. And I right. had a friend who just asked me about Tamoxifen, and I was like, well, I know someone who didn't do it, and it is your choice. Girl, well, I have had
1: 12 years, and they had no Tamoxifen. I know that's right. <laughs> I don't put it out there too much, because I don't want anybody to do what I did.
0: Yeah, but, but it was a choice, and I like that I had that choice, because I had to do something else. I had another mm-hmm. choice, and it was because of your conversation that I know I had a choice. And I know that my friend had a choice. She looked at the percentages. She looked at everything. She said, it is not no." And I was like, that is your choice. And don't let anybody else tell you anything different. So mm-hmm. I appreciate you sharing that because you allow me to have make choices. Make yes.
1: good choices. I believe that every woman should keep her voice. Mm-hmm. That's the main thing I tell women when they're diagnosed. Don't let anybody take your voice. Mm-mm. Because even though my daughters, you know, they're nurses and at that time they could speak for me on certain things and I wanted them to. Yeah. But when it was time for me to speak, they didn't take my voice. Yeah. and that's I know what I thing. want. Some mm-hmm. things I wanted was not the best thing for me. And, you know, one one of them is very outspoken, and she let me know, no, that's <laughs> not what you're going to do, mama. <laughs> she sounds like I'm that twin that she is. <laughs> right, right. She was like, I was saying, well, go and get another opinion. I've had two opinions, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to try to keep the breath. No, you're not, mama. You're not going <laughs> to do it. I was like, okay, now she's the daughter, mother, and I'm the daughter. But you got to have same people in your corner. Mm-hmm. They say in insane, because some people are crazy. <laughs> they speak on subjects they know nothing
0: of. Nothing. I've heard the craziest stuff in this time, and that's why I know who to call, and then I know who not to share. I was very private during um, when I was first diagnosed. I mean, you were one of the few. It was you, my husband that I talk to on a regular, even my twin sister, um, she is, she's one of those twins. And I don't know if one of your daughters is like this. She's very emotional and she takes it all in. and she's right. full force. And she going to be there by your side, rubbing your back. And it, that is who she was. But I know that it was a lot because we've already lost our mother and right. She, all we've seen was deaf and dying, I know that's exactly right. Like, well, here we go with the fourth one. You know? Right. And, they, you know, somebody's like, deaf comes in three, so you're the fourth one, so you might be okay. Like, the stuff that... Oh, my God. What's <laughs> say? I was like, I'm lucky I did not catch a cake. Today.
1: Right. <laughs> I know it. Time I was but, you saying, know, Regina, crying. I think, um, and I say this all the time, I went through a lot of grief. I grieved for my brother, and I was not finished grieving mm. when I had to grieve for my sister.
2: Yeah.
1: I never really grieved for myself. So it wasn't the cancer that was trying to kill me. It was the grief. It was the grief. And that grief is heavy. That's why I, you, you just got to handle where you are. Sometimes you got too many voices in your ears. hmm you know, and I know that God did not give me a spirit of fear. Yes. I understand the scriptures. Yeah. I understand the word. I trust God more than anybody else would even believe. My faith is mm-hmm. tight. Yeah. But I'm human. Yes. I lost my oldest sister, one who has been by my side for everything. No matter what surgery I had, she was there. When they rolled me into surgery, uh, my brother-in-law had not yet gotten there to transport her to Charlotte. Yeah. She was on the phone with me, still trying to advise me. And they <laughs> said, Miss Gregory, you gotta put the phone away. <laughs> so me having to do without her, yeah, and still have to do without her. Yeah. It's, it's that's grief. It's hard. It's heavy. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you take it and put it aside. And I'm sure you all had to do it too yes. by the applying so close together. Yeah. You know, you, you got to leave this one here because now we got to go over here and grieve this one. Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm finding myself grieving now that I have my girls because I'm looking at them. And they're asking me, Mommy, you have a boo boo. Mommy, where did you get that boo boo from? And I used to always say, well, this is my lifeline because some reason they would gravitate to my pork um, scar. So I was like, I found myself saying, what if I have to leave my kids? What would I do? How would I handle it? How would I want them to remember me? And that made me think of I never grieved for myself during the process. I was newly married, like
2: I was married
0: and then I was on the table. I never had a chance. I was only a wife for 16 days before I came became, he became my caregiver. Like all these dual roles were happening and we never had a chance. Right now we are at celebrating um, nine years. It'll be 10 years in April. But wow. Wow, we had planned to like build a house, sell our houses, have children, do all this. And now we, we just, we have children. We're building our, our home. Um, and everything is coming around and I'm realizing that life is not just good, it's great. And it it happened the way it was supposed to happen because if I had not met Jeanette Gregory, I am sure of it. I would have not known I was walking around with breast cancer. I was only 36 with no lung. They told me, well, you got a bunch of calcifications. Right you drink a lot of coffee? And I'm like, I own a coffee house. Mm. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. But if I had not met you, I don't think my outcome would be the same. Because now I'm doing everything because I met you. I knew exactly what I needed to hear and he knew I was hard-headed. And he knew who to send to me.
1: Right. <laughs> to I am me so glad to meet you. Yes. I am so glad. There is <laughs> Only one Regina. Oh, <laughs> and I can tell you there's only one genetic. <laughs> look, every time I say your name,
0: I got to say your first and your last. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> I always said I got the right person for you. Wow. Yeah. So we have been on this podcast. I told you it was going to be about 45 minutes, and it's been about an
1: hour now because I could Okay. Tell you. <laughs> we look better. You get that house built. I'm coming. Tell Cole oh, to go away. You, I'm ringing the doorbell. You know, my husband said
0: he's like, "Who your podcast with?" And I
1: said, "Jeanette." Oh,
0: he just can you tell I said hi? Yeah, I'll do that. So yeah, tell him I said hello. Versus, he's the best
1: of the best. Oh, he is so amazing. A man that loves his wife and those beautiful girls. Oh my, them girls
0: they. They don't want mommy. They want daddy. They want daddy and his grilled cheeses and daddy and his driving fast. <laughs> they want to learn how to drive a race car like him. So they they love their dad. But Jeanette, I want to thank you so much um, for, I know we've been trying to do this podcast for a while, but yeah. life has happened. And I know September is the
1: month that you take a
0: good vacation. Did you get that vacation?
1: I didn't, you know, I always go to uh, the beach. We didn't yeah. go, you okay. know, COVID. And plus we got a new grandbaby. So um, I keep him now. Oh. And so everything uh, really is on hold in certain areas, but Celebrate Life goes on. I'm trying to just raise him up so he can help. Cause you know, my grandchildren are the core. Yes. Celebrate Life. Yes. I start working them early. Yeah, as you should. And as soon as he can tie a ribbon and pack a bag, he's going to
0: i will laugh because I know it's so true because I've been to your home and
1: I've seen them bears. i see seen right. over there in that bubble wrap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and those grandchildren have to. And my newest baby, his name is Brave. He's going to have to be brave to hang with this grandma. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he don't even know yet. Or maybe he does.
1: <laughs> yeah when well, I'm old he can drive the pink car around
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: well I
0: have to make sure that I have you on a live um and I'm definitely going to give away your three books that okay you and when we do our live I would love to make sure that we talk about the books more in detail because mm-hmm. I hope that um caregivers men How to grieve is so important. It really is. Jeanette, I want to thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. I love you. Guys, please look up her organization, Celebrate Life 08. Where can they find more information?
1: Dot org. Celebrate Life 08. 08. I have to stop doing that 08. Dot, and I call it 08, but it's a zero. It's not an uh-huh. 8. It's not an uh-huh.
0: uh, so O. O-R-G. O-R-G. All right, Jeanette. I want to thank you so much for being on. um yeah. Stay right there. I'm going to stop our podcast recording. And guys, I'm looking forward to doing our live. Remember, um, Chemo Glow, our YouTube page. Please go subscribe, like, share. Leave a review. I appreciate everything that you guys do. Thanks
1: again. Sound editing is provided by Josh Masters. If you like what you hear, please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Connect with Chemo Glow on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can also find more content at chemoglow.com.